The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us this week here at the Crude Life Week in Review. we got a fantastic program in store for you today. Emma, Taylor, Ellie, Lydia from Watford City. They're part of that high school student ambassador program at Watford City. They come by to discuss the ambassador program and what their experiences are with the industry. Kind of part two of last week interview with Watford City High School students Emma Taylor, Lydia, and Ellie. Also, Tom Shepstone with Natural Gas Now, a regular here on the Crude Life. He comments on President Trump's latest speech at the World Economic Forum and what kind of impact it'll have on the energy sector. Shepstone opines whether he believes the energy industry is fighting an energy debate with science and facts while activists are using emotions and loose science to fight a public health debate. Tom Shepstone with Natural Gas Now and the Shepstone Management Company coming up in just a few moments. Plus, John Clark with Clark Energy Consulting covers the big three oil field service companies as they report their 2019 earnings and the shift towards international and offshore has begun. All right, all that plus much more on today's episode of the crude life we can review of course you can access all of our exclusive interviews at the crudelife.com that's the crudelife.com one more thing i've been asked to ask you folks if you could like follow share comment do that social media stuff i guess that apparently people look for that and they like that so i say do what you like if you'd like to go ahead but I keep getting pressured to oh, add that into your programming. Add that in there. Okay, well, there we go. And apparently that's how I delivered it because asking people to do something for me is not my style. But uh, I do appreciate you folks listening to The Crude Life. And personally, if you check out our social media and you go ahead and you like and you share stuff, good for you folks. But I'll be perfectly honest. I take three months a year off of social media. No kidding. Every summer, I just take a hiatus. I put on my social media pages, see you at the end of the summer, and then every year I just less and less and less every single year. So I understand the big push for social media and how people are telling me to do this, but at the same time, I just I, I don't get a lot of my content there, so it's hard for me to ask people to do that. There, there's a confession for you on the crude life see that's a confessions on the crude life there now that will get social media posts okay there you go folks now we're on to something here or i'm on something i'm not sure which one it is maybe both we'll find out on social media okay go to the social media pages at uh, crudelife.com we have the whole list there the youtubes the the what is it linkedin's the facebook's you know what 
I believe we even have a Twitter on there as well. So check it out, the social media pages at thecrudelife.com. All right, let's get to our first interview segment here with Watford City High School students, Emma, Taylor, Ellie, Lydia, as they discuss the ambassador program working with industry. I'm Lydia. Watching this ambassador program from the start to what it's at now has changed a ton. We work very closely with Pat's company, MBI, and we go and we talk to one of their crews and their workover crew uh, just about like the free tuition the college the next town over has and everything this school has to offer and they were all really excited to have us keep coming back and keep asking them to find ways to get involved so they get to help out with the school. And I'm excited to see where this goes because we have a couple more companies lined up to go talk to and I'm excited to see who else has an interest in having us come speak and trying to get involved with the school. This is Emma and I think this ambassadors program has really opened workers' eyes here in Watford, like realizing that bringing their kids and their families is an option and it wouldn't be the worst situations, like situation to move up here even though it's really a hard um, switch for some people from like moving from Florida who never have snow and then come here and it's snow almost all the time. I think it's really um, helped people keep moving here as an option and so they can have their families with them. Um, Taylor here. Uh, I just think that um, for this ambassadors program being one of um, the start of it I think is super important and it's special for us kids to like be able to start it just here in the high school but I know that there's lots of different opportunities for it to grow into different towns and I think that's what I would like to see most is that other towns in this area and um, even in other states who are facing the same issue that they can start up this program and they can learn from us and how the success that we're getting from it. Also I just think that it's not just us kids at the high school who are making it happen. It's everybody else who gets involved. It's everybody who supports the high school. It's everybody who supports going to the games, going to our musical concerts, going to just support everything that we do. And there's the only thing that's going to make it work is the relationships. And so the relationships that the school can make with companies can really help develop families when they move to North Dakota. I'm Ellie. Another thing we have in Watford City is we really have a need for child care and just because of all the families that are moving up here with young kids who aren't in school yet, um, Wolf Pup Daycare has a long waiting list and just because there isn't that many options to take your children to in Watford City. So we have a $5,000 grant um, if you would want to start an at-home daycare so that's something that wouldn't be that hard to do and it would really help. Um, with the child care problem that we have. Is that the place you worked at? You say you worked, right? Yeah. Yeah, wow. Look at you. You are being a student leader. Uh, anybody else have any final thoughts or anything? Um, going back on the Williston State that I mentioned earlier, that is the college that's about 45 minutes away from Watford City. They offer a regional scholarship to surrounding counties. They pay for your tuition. Um, you get two four semesters paid for all your credits. They are have to be consecutive semesters, so fall and spring, and then fall and spring of the next year. But they cover all your fees and tuition, and you can apply scholarships on top of that, so it's not just that. So if you need, if you get a scholarship for housing, you can 
pay for it on top of your free tuition and they are opening lots of new programs. They just revamped their agriculture program and they're starting a new campus actually here in Watford City next year for their nursing program. And that's really just a good opportunity for the students in the surrounding counties that maybe don't know what they want to do and don't want to pay all that money for college. They can go, a lot of people go and get their two years done for their generals and then they transfer when they have a better idea. Or they just have two year degrees for like welding, diesel mechanics, so that really opens up a lot of opportunities for students around here too, just to get a good idea of what they want before they go and spend all that money in college somewhere else. And that was Watford City High School student ambassadors, Emma, Taylor, Ellie, and Lydia. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and you're listening to The Crude Life Week in Review. Coming up next... Tom Shepstone with Natural Gas Now. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. It seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch Coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say. To see Eric Hatch grow his business and then start to share it with other people, I think is one of those great steps in life, you know? What do you do in society? You succeed at a thing, and then you teach other people how you did it. And now to see Eric duplicating his genius across the country, I'm telling you, there's a world changer down the street, and his name is Eric Hatch. For more information, call 701-212-1572 or visit coachingwithhatch.com. That's coachingwithhatch.com. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you folks for joining us. Coming up next, we talk with Tom Shepstone with Natural Gas Now. Uh, talk to the listeners out there how Trump's speech out at the World Economic Forums impacts the energy industry. I think it has a tremendous impact because what he's doing, and I, and I reprinted the whole speech on my site and added a few comments, but the, I, I think it's tremendous because when he's, when he's going over to this World Economic Forum, which has really been... Uh, you know, gather over the last numerous years, it's been a gathering of uh, kind of effete snobs from Europe, you know, and and uh, they, you know, they sit around and talk to each other and you know, fly it on their big jets and all this stuff and opine on all kinds of politically correct things. And Trump has gone in there and he's just delivered a very straightforward message saying, you know, we're we're the leader of the world, not you guys, in so many words, and we're getting it done, and we're we're getting it done in a very straightforward way by cutting regulations, by promoting our natural gas and oil, and uh, allowing it to to, uh, to do its do its thing. We are uh, redoing our trade deals to to make it more fair, and from the energy perspective, he's also you know trying to do things about like these pipeline delays and some of that. And I love the way he said it. You know, he, he said, we are not going to be, and so many, I'm paraphrasing that, we're not going to be prophets of doom anymore. You know, not in America. You know, we're, we're, 
we're looking forward. We're making things happen. Uh, we've had went through these repeated scares about having too, you know, population bomb, you know, and all this kind of nonsense. Uh, we've had global cooling in the past, all that nonsense. And he's saying, you know, don't pay any attention to that. You know, we've got our eye on the ball. We're moving forward. America is great. We're the leader, and you can do it too. That's what he's saying, and I loved it. And I thought it was uh, uh, brilliantly done. And uh, you know, he, he's an interesting character. I, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't for him in 2016 and during the primaries, but uh, boy, he sure proved himself with me. And uh, I think he's proved himself with a lot of people. And, uh, well, I, uh, I think people forget that really you only have two choices. And, and yeah. I mean, you, you might have three, but really you only have two choices. And yeah. what I used to tell people is, look, maybe some people are just afraid of their insurance premiums going up. And, and maybe they're afraid of losing their job in the energy sector. So that's why they support Trump. Maybe it's not all the other reasons that the media says he's the most hated man on the planet for, which, by the way, he continues to win elections and polls and get support. So he can't be that hated. That's right. That's right. That that, that that's the part that blows me away, and that's where he that's where he's right about the narrative. Well, you work in the media, you know that there can be a very good effort for uh, a narrative to be created if you have control over a certain amount of resources. Yeah, it, 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 it's and it's a very unusual person who can crack through all this stuff, you know, and and you have to be somebody who, who talks differently. You've got to be somebody with a uh, self-confidence uh, to the point of, uh, you know, of it being a, a point perhaps in certain circumstances, but but you have to have that. You have to have that ability to talk differently, to talk plainly, to be self-confident, to proclaim loudly, and to be unapologetic. And, you know, there's, uh, and I, I think that the unapologetic part is perhaps the most important. And oh, I, I would agree. That's probably been his biggest strength, actually to yeah. up to date is his ability to be unapologetic which a lot of people would say is his biggest weakness and makes him you know an awful person and yada yada but in order to do the things he's been able to do i think you're right he's almost had to be unapologetic there's no question and you know and we have to separate what the duties of a, of a president are and a leader are from what the duty, our duties are as individuals, you know, and, and uh, as individuals, of course, we have the, the moral obligation to be apologetic from time to time, but but not when you're a leader, okay? Not when you're the, the guy responsible for turning things around, when you're the guy that has to get things done. Uh, and, and and let's be honest, you know, when, when, when he's run into a brick wall from, from time to time, he's adjusted, he's backed up, he's adjusted, he's gone a different direction when he's needed to. But... Um, but he, but he doesn't do that by saying, "Oh, we, you know, we're, I'm sorry, we should have never done that. Or I just got to do better." You know, he never does that. When, I love it. when you mentioned that, I was thinking about yeah. Even when he eats humble pie, he's dropping f bombs, talking about, "I wish I would have never supported the f and vaping." And I just saw that headline, and I just. <laughs> I thought, you know, here's even when he was trying to put his heart in the right place, he still ends up in top headlines for sensational yeah, yeah, news, yeah. you know, and it's just it you can't make it up. I mean, it's a oh, I know. oh yeah, it's like it's like the great prophet George Carlin said, America's a yes. freak show. Sit down and enjoy the front row seat, folks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but hey, you you mentioned pipeline delays and I was talking with someone 
about how, you know, it seemed like after the DAPL po- pipeline protest in, in North Dakota, uh, Standing Rock is really when the template got perfected to where other pipeline protests seem to really just yeah. you, no problem. So I, I don't know if you agree with that or if the timing on that was about the same, but talk to me a little bit about the pipeline protest because I do think you're gonna we're, we're going to see some this year. And I think it's a critical year because uh, we, we need to get pipelines to Corpus Christi and Lake Charles and uh, Mexico wants some LNG. You know, you know what I mean? There's a reason to get these pipelines done sooner rather than later. Absolutely. And I, and I do think the other side is, um, has, has really um, you know, figured out how to, you know, how to make a scene about some of these things and create pressure with a very few people. Um, and one of the problems we face, though, I think, is, is, is less so them than it is the pipeline industry itself, and even more importantly, the people it feeds. And, and I'll give you an example. I'm not going to mention the specific company or the specific pipeline, but I'm aware of a pipeline that uh, was in, you know, was enormously controversial, and the uh, project was such that uh, one of the one of the companies that was going to receive this gas took a a, um, a hard line and said, hey, we, we, we must have this gas and really went out all out on it and started uh, uh, turning off, or not turning off gas, but saying we can't do new connections until we have assurance we're going to have the gas we need. And, um, and they were winning that battle, winning it big time, uh, you know, and, and I think on the cusp of getting uh, getting an approval of their pipeline, and then all of a sudden, the uh, the uh, that company uh, loses heart and says, "Oh, the heck with it! We're not going to. We're not. You know, it's it's not that important to us." And the reason they and and then of course they lost the battle. So the why did they give up so quickly at the very end when they were on the cusp? Of it? Well, the reason is that so many of these companies. Uh, can turn around and charge the consumer for their mistakes. I mean, this is this is one of the problems we have is that a a utility company that is providing you electric service or gas service or whatever it may be, uh, they and they're under some kind of edict from the state that is totally uneconomical, totally bizarre, makes no sense whatsoever. Like you know, subsidizing. Uh, crazy wind projects that only work 25% of the time and we're, we're, you know, putting massive subsidies into them. And they, they can just say, well, you know, we know it's stupid, but, but we're going to sign on to it anyway, because you taxpayers are going to pay the bill or you consumers are going to pay the bill, one of the two or both more than likely. And therefore, what do we got to lose? You know, because we're a regulated uh, company, and uh, we're we can at the end of the day, if we have additional costs, if you if things go wrong, uh, it's all going to fall back on you guys anyway. So what the heck? We'll just go along. Why 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 fight for uh, rationality? Why why fight for common sense? Let's just go along, follow, you know, go with the flow, and we'll pass the bill on to the consumer and the taxpayer. And that's the that's the real battle we're facing. The environmentalists are just taking advantage of that. Mr. Tom Shepstone, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Tom Shepstone with Natural Gas Now. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Week in Review. Well, you can be my little pony, but be your 
big stud You can be Bugs Bunny, I'll be Elmer Fudd I'll follow you, I think you know the way If we were all pigs, we'd be getting dirty We're kinda like that, we're kinda like that girl We're kinda like The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you. And the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Over the past few months, I've told you about how unbelievable Hatch coaching is. Well, don't just take my word for it. Listen to what Greg Tavine of Emerging Prairies has to say about Hatch coaching. I got to watch him give a talk at TEDx Brookings. It's been said that if you want to create competition, tell everyone your success. And if you want to create compassion, share your weaknesses. And Eric's somebody that could easily lead with all he's accomplished. To find out more about Hatch coaching or to have Eric Hatch speak at your event or company, visit HatchCoaching.com. That's Hatch coaching.com or call 701-212-1572 that's 701-212-1572 welcome back to the crude life week in review my name is jason spies thank you folks for joining us Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Tom Shepstone with Natural Gas Now. I think a, a lot of it, too, and, and is just hemorrhaging companies out, ba- ma- ma- making them bleed to, uh, financially so that they either got to sell or close the project or, or move on to something else. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a constant battle. Now, it's it's, it's uh, more of a battle in some places than others. I don't think, for example, building pipelines in, in, in Ohio is that difficult. Um, I don't even think building them in Pennsylvania is all that difficult. I mean, yes, there's been some challenges and so on, but uh, it is rather like, interesting, though, that after the Dakota Access Pipeline um, Standing Rock, yeah. it it sure seemed like boy, you could just download a a checklist yeah. off the internet for any any protester, huh? Yeah. It was yeah, I, I agree with that, but but you had the the problem you have is the uh, uh, the you know the uh, Native American. Uh, uh, excuse, and, um, and it's not that I'm not sympathetic to tribes and Native Americans. I've done some work for some of the tribes, but but the the um, but it's a unique it's a unique uh, problem that you have out there, and that we had with Apple that created a, an additional vulnerability that doesn't exist everywhere. Um, what we have, and and 
what we have in like New York and Maryland and New Jersey and places like that is we're just dealing again with very rich elites who, um, you know, don't care whether the rest of the people get, get gas or not. Uh, or get oil, you know, whatever the case may be. The, the one thing about Dapple that I thought was so interesting, and you brought what you just brought up, and I'd like to elaborate on, is it really exposed a lot of the emotional elements that people oh, yeah. people didn't have before. I mean, when you really look at it, yeah. there were rubber bullets fired and water in sub-zero temperatures. Hollywood yeah. showed up. Disa- disabled veterans showed up. Yeah. I I had I had texts and phone calls from seven countries. And three continents um, about about what was going on because it was in my backyard. Well, I was on the BBC. I mean, I was the reporter that they that they interviewed about it. So I was uh, somewhat, you know, finding things out. But that's what I took away from it was uh, somebody said to me that that was actually the biggest uh, PR black eye on oil and gas since the BP oil spill because of the way that they, you know, the state handled it. Yeah, uh, the. The, the interesting thing about the uh, that uh, one of the interesting sidelights is Nathan Phillips, of course, was out there making the making uh, <laughs> making noise out there in your neck of the woods, and lo and behold, he becomes famous later, uh, creating that that phony attack on uh, or phony incident with uh, Nick Sandman, you know, and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. the, so that's kind of that that kind of is very revealing, I think, as to some of the dynamics at play here. We've got well, irresponsible media. You've got a lot of emotional stuff. You've got people with, with agendas all over the place. But that, but the interesting thing about the DAPL was it didn't only motivate um, people from the other side. It also motivated people from our side. I mean, when, when I ran stories on DAPL, even though I'm you know, more Pennsylvania, Ohio, New York focused, you know, New Jersey, um, People, boy, they responded to that. I mean, uh, I'll tell you, I learned a lot about, I, I knew an adequate amount about pipelines, but when that happened, I, of course, went on overdrive and learned a lot. I was surprised at how much I learned in favor of the energy industry. Like every time I go in and actually do some investigation, it always turns out that the energy industry seems to be a lot more on the right side than on the wrong side. And I'm yeah. and I'm and, and I'm not a lobbyist. I'm not, you know, I'm not I'm not I'm, no, this is actually if you go in and look at the facts and science, etc. And um that was the the it was just so different the way that um all that was handled out there and it, like I said it really brought out the emotional elements and that's that story i asked you about earlier i wanted to circle back to that editorial about uh out in pennsylvania and i found it it's actually from uh washington county an old newspaper i used to uh do i I had newspaper clients back in my former publishing days and washington county was one of them just south of uh pittsburgh correct okay so we're just uh just south of pittsburgh and it's an editorial asking for the department of health to rethink uh, public health through, be, by regulating oil and gas more, and they're using, like, childhood cancer. And yeah, I when I saw that, I went, oh, this is a whole... And so my question to you is, I, and I think this is actually... we, we got to start having this discussion now because it's going to be too late, which is I firmly believe that the activists are having a public health debate and the energy industry is still trying to have an energy debate. What's your thought on that? I think that's right. 
and and it and it's been coming for quite some time. I mean, that's the issue that that ultimately New York used to, to you know to ban fracking and may permanently ban it at this point. From what we're hearing, they may they may make a move to do that. And there's no evidence. I mean, that whole thing with the in Pittsburgh is uh, you know it's just nonsense. I mean, when you read up on it, study the details of it, it's absolute nonsense. The state itself has uh, you know gone over it and uh, indicated they see no evidence of any any pattern or anything else, and yet. They were forced to turn around and spend. They're spending three million dollars of our tax money to study it again, you know, to do a special study, which of course is going to conclude the exact same thing. The because it's going to use the same data, you know. So did your uh, state experience a smoking ban, um, ban um, through public restaurants and that sort of thing? Did you guys have a statewide referendum on that? Yes. Yes. So so we did too, and. About five years ago, when I was out in Colorado, I started noticing um, the way that people were acting out there, and it was very similar to what I thought was the smoking ban. And, you know, up in my neck of the woods, up in the upper Midwest here, pretty much every state has done it. And they did the same thing where when you look at secondhand smoke, the science has really actually never been concluded no, as, right. as 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 accurate by by the actual you know CDC and and who and everything else. It's actually never been concluded, but it was it was it got the Mandela effect so much it got it got so much momentum they were able to just sweep through and do it. Now, is it better or worse? That's not even the discussion here. The discussion is is it was loose science that was never verified, and then they took and they ran with it. That's the same template I'm seeing here today. There's no question about it. There's a book. I'm looking at it on my shelf right now as we're speaking. It's called Scare Pollution by Steve Malloy. And uh, and he and he focuses on this whole uh, secondhand smoke thing. I would encourage anybody that's interested in it to to uh, to read it uh, because it, it, it does show you what's about it. It's appropriately titles the book scare pollution and of course he's you know, just using that as one example but and i don't want to get into uh you know defending it one way or another but you're right the science has never ever been proven and yet we made policy on it we made legislation affecting everybody on it and uh when we see that repeatedly but at a certain point um i think you know there everything is uh, a pendulum you know the, the pendulum does swing the other way from time to time and i do think once people you know you can you can envision a situation you know five years from now when people realize that we've made a lot of mistakes we've gone too far in one direction you can visualize them coming back and that's kind of what trump is doing in many in many areas now you know but uh, I, I i do you know i'm old enough to have seen that kind of thing various times that the pendulum swings and uh there's an overreaction, and then there's a reaction to the overreaction. You know, so I do think I do think the general public uh, understands, at least some do, and then I think enough do that we're safe for a while on that. But uh, you, you do have to worry about the future when people think that disastrously. And and the worst part of it is, you know, she's not stupid. She's she's a she's a smart lady in her own sense. She is she is doing something she knows she has to know is wrong you know she is demagoguing and she and this is what i see in new york uh, um, across the river but the you, you you see people who know have to know that this is completely wrong that this is bizarre that this makes no sense and yet they're doing it anyway 
for the short-term, you know, political gain. And I think that's that's the the nub of the problem in many respects is that we've we've got people who don't even don't even make a pretense toward rationality. I mean, they're willing to sacrifice everything to demagogue. It, it, it's maddening. You know, but that's what I, to get back to Trump a little bit, that's what I kind of like about, you know, it cuts through all that, you know. And um, not many people can do that. You know, I, you know, I was, uh, again, during the 2016 thing, uh, Ted Cruz was my guy. Like, I still like him. I think he's a great guy. But, but I, I don't know, you know, as smart as he is, and he's an extremely bright guy, as smart as he is and as capable as he is in debates and all that kind of thing. And that was Tom Shepstone with Natural Gas Now and Shepstone Management Company. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is The Crude Life We Can Review. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Make Energy Great Again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make Energy Great Again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make Energy Great Again. Visit KeepEnergyGreat.com. That's KeepEnergyGreat.com. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking, the Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Welcome back to The Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, John Clark with Clark Energy Consulting. John Clark with Clark Energy Consulting. Outstanding. Thank you for joining us here today. It's time now for our weekly OG brief, our oil and gas update. John Clark, Clark Energy Consulting, is going to be giving us the lowdown or the OG brief down, if you will. How are you doing today? Doing well, Jason. How are you? Doing fantastic, and thank you for asking. But the world of oil and gas, it's so hard to predict these days. So, John Clark, thank you for joining us this week for the oil and gas brief, OG brief, if you will. So let's get to it. Yeah, Jason. Well, uh, last week and this week, the big three oil field service providers, that would be Schlumberger, Halliburton, and Baker Hughes, reported their 2019 earnings. So uh, what I saw in those earnings was actually interesting. The OG brief I posted this week titled Shale Slump Signals Services Seek Elsewhere. International Oilfield Services Behemoth Schlumberger reported a $10.1 billion loss in 2019. 
compared with a $2.2 billion profit in 2018. The company is responding to the ongoing shale slump by selling underperforming assets, idling frag fleets, closing locations, and laying off employees. It's interesting because the CEO actually commented that after two years of strong growth, North American revenue fell sharply, driven largely by the land market weakness affecting our one-stem pressure pumping business. So pressure pumping, if you're not aware, is, is basically um, the pumps that are used in the fracking process. So my background in oil and gas began in fracking, uh, which is a stimulation process that's used to unlock oil and gas from shale rock, which directly contributed to the U.S. becoming the world's leading producer of oil, currently at 13 million barrels per day, more than doubling in the last decade. Uh, there's, it's funny, there's an article in USA Today titled, have you hugged a fracker today? Uh, they're going to need it because the way I see this year going, the service companies are losing mart, you know, profit in U.S. shale and focusing on international and offshore markets. So that's pretty telling for me that you know the service companies are basically shifting focus towards international markets. So I see the you know, weakness in shale for 2020. If the service companies are facing weakness, the ENPs or the exploration and production companies are are ultimately being more disciplined in capital, drilling and completing less wells. And so I see uh, the market for this year being pretty flat or maybe declining compared to last year for the services space. Uh, interestingly, Enough oil prices fell this week, dipped below $55 a barrel per today uh, as a result of rising U.S. inventories. Uh, this is despite a major news that Libya had an outage on their production due to force majeure, basically meaning they couldn't keep up with their contracts. So uh, the market is still digesting what that may mean. But ultimately, the country produces 1.2 million barrels per day. And if they face a complete shutdown, that will be pretty significant. The uh, rig counts for this week actually increased 15, but we're still down 254 rigs compared to last year. Uh, so ultimately, the services space, you know, is is. Uh, Focusing elsewhere, I think ENPs will have you know continue to be disciplined in capital. And actually, next week, I will be releasing my Clark Energy Outlook report, where I'll cover outlook for services and ENPs in North American shale and offshore and international segments. And also next week, we have the ENPs report their 2019 earnings. So ExxonMobil, Chevron. Murphy and Hess will be reporting their earnings. And so I'll touch on that next week as well. Well, we've been saying this on the program for a while. You know, there's still money circulating around the globe. And it doesn't surprise me to hear that the big three service companies, especially going international to get some business because the money's circulating across the globe now. A lot of people for a long time, you know, knew it was circulating through the U.S., but it's global money now and so you got to make a better steak sandwich than the next guy but at the same time you've got automation coming in so you've got to figure out new markets 
and new market places. So it doesn't surprise me that you're seeing some international play like that. That's right. And, and there's more offshore rigs that are being added. And they're, you know basically the reserves that have been produced uh, have not been replaced you know, from in conventional assets over the last, you know, five years since the downturn. Uh, so what I think we'll start seeing is more exploration in new frontiers, ultra deep waters. Uh, you know, Apache recently announced a huge discovery offshore South America. I think the offshore markets will, you know, the biggest ones will be Gulf of Mexico, uh, offshore uh, Africa and South America. But also China recently uh, announced plans to dr- drill in the South China Sea, so we're you know definitely offshore. I think there's a lot of potential for new exploration. You can go to ClarkEnergyConsulting.com. Uh, there's also a LinkedIn page, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, and please subscribe if you you can receive the weekly OG briefs by email, and uh, you can also download a free copy of the Clark Energy Outlook report uh, as soon as next week. And that was John Clark with Clark Energy Consulting. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. That's going to do it for today's Crude Life Week in Review. I'd like to thank John Clark with Clark Energy Consulting, Tom Shepstone with Natural Gas Now and the Shepstone Management Company, and Watford City High School Student Ambassadors, Emma, Taylor, Ellie, and Lydia. Thank you very much for coming on the program here this week and for other full-length interviews exclusive full-length interviews visit thecrudelife.com that's thecrudelife.com also want to remind you folks we have social media pages we have the youtubes the facebook's twitters even the linkedins we invite you folks to go to thecrudelife.com click on the social media tab and we have all of our pages right there from the Marcellus to the Bakken to the Crude Life to all kinds of different pages you can check out and be as social as you'd like to be. From the staff here at the Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Make Energy Great Again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make Energy Great Again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make Energy Great Again. Visit KeepEnergyGreat.com. That's KeepEnergyGreat.com. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. 
the model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 